Hello, this is Joe with Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live! I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show where we talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter, which you can subscribe to on the main page of that website, by the way, thebbqcentralshow.com. In about 12 minutes from now, it is the first Tuesday of a month, if you can believe it. We are now in May, three days deep as we come to a close on day number three. And coming to a close will be the fourth month of what has been a private barbecue roundtable with one of the biggest names in barbecue in general and of course the name when it comes to youtube and barbecue and live fire cooking that of course is our pal malcolm reed from how to barbecue right and killer hogs barbecue competition team and tonight we're going to take our time with ribs because to me while there's a lot of great barbecue meat out there if you go to 10 different people and you ask them what does barbecue mean to you when it comes to meat i'm sure there's going to be a large percentage especially if you're just getting into this whole thing that the first thing you're going to vomit out of your mouth is brisket the next might be pulled pork however i would contend that the two most popular still to this day would be chicken but not just any chicken that would be chicken quarters the leg and the thigh to me this is sacrilegious i'm sure to say but to me that is quintessential backyard barbecue leg quarters done at a medium pace and medium heat glazed with some barbecue sauce maybe it drips down into that charcoal we get a little bit of that burnt barbecue smell coming out, but only in the best ways possible over caramelization. I love chicken leg quarters. To me, that's the best barbecue. And then 1A is the chicken. 1B is probably going to be ribs. 
and it's going to be spares for me. However, I will not turn away a loin back if that's all that we have to make. So we've done brisket, we've done pork butt, we've done chicken, and tonight we will finish it off with ribs. And again, we'll take our time with it. Then we'll hold Malcolm over for an additional segment this evening. And we'll talk a lot about Memphis in May. That's coming up here, I believe, in a week or two. Memphis in May, very important to how to barbecue right and killer hogs for a number of reasons. So we'll talk to Malcolm about what the run-up is and then see what his chances are of pulling out a win. Of course, we know the show Karma Attaches. The Pitmaster shows up on a Tuesday. And the next time they go out and compete, typically they win. So this is probably all that Malcolm needs for a lock on the first ever grand championship world grand championship down at Memphis in May. So Malcolm Reed, first hour, second hour, we will do a revisit, revisit two weeks in a row. Let's call it like that. He's a Texas embedded correspondent, longest running of those, by the way, and a social media maven in the mix. Doug Shiding from row cookers will be joining us. It's been a few months or so since we've actually delved back into the topic of social media and Doug is unique study for me because I remember when he was just a few thousand Instagram followers and recently I happened to pop into his profile and lo and behold 20,000 plus Instagram followers so we'll talk about how he's built that what the diligent steps he's been taking to continue that growth if he's ever bought followers if he's ever thought about it Things like this. So we'll teach you how to become a media maven, just like Doug. And then we'll also uh, carry over into the additional segment if we need to, to make sure we're covering everything else. With any open time left, we got games to play. We got prizes to give away. I have a Before It's Out by Amazon, Sam the Cooking Guy book we can give away as well. So stay tuned for all that. Malcolm Reed, First Hour, and Doug Shiding here in your second hour. Don't forget, you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. For live video feeds, you can go to Facebook and Twitch, slash BBQ Central Show. Also on YouTube, slash RD Rempe, and we are live audibly on Clubhouse as well, which is what you would need to play that game in the second hour if you're so inclined. So let's go ahead and start here this evening, and I want to welcome in a brand new sponsor to the show and a sponsor in a very big way here for at least the next three months, hopefully longer, but coming into the true grilling and barbecue season as we are, if some of you are into those seasons, we certainly welcome in a name that everybody knows at this point, Oklahoma Joe's Smokers and Grills. They are in the sponsor stable and again, doing it in a big way. It's a brand most of us have heard of that I've just mentioned. We've had the original founder, Joe Davidson, on the show a few times. They've been excellent appearances, and Oklahoma Joe is part of a much bigger company called WC Bradley. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this. They might just see Oklahoma Joe sitting in whatever retailer they're visiting and think that's it. However, WC Bradley, the parent that also owns brands that you would know, like Charbroil and Sabre Grills, obviously Oklahoma Joe. So, very well-established parent company, that being W.C. Bradley, that houses some of the biggest brands in the live fire market. And the thing that makes me happiest is the fact that this is really the first 
big, I'm using air quotes for the podcast listeners, this is one of the first big companies in the space that sees the benefit of doing advertising on a podcast versus just the traditional type media. I'm sure they do that too. This is the first big one to jump on board here. And yes, we have a number of companies already on here sponsoring, which I appreciate and adore for the longest time, by the way. But for whatever reason, the smaller companies have seen the win for advertising here on this show for years. They have been forced to get outside the box. But the bigger ones have not. And perhaps that all changes now that Oklahoma Joe is aboard. I'm very excited to have them on. You will be hearing a lot about them in the coming months. We'll have some of the folks from the brand to talk about stuff. We'll have some of their favorite ambassadors on the show once a month to talk about Live Fire, of course, some of the products. So stay tuned for that. And once again, we thank Oklahoma Joe for coming on in this way and hope that not only will we have a great run here over the next three months or so during the barbecue and grilling season, but we continue on much longer than that. So once again, shout out to Oklahoma Joe. Now we have some feedback from the show last week. Very big show last week. Of course, we had another publicly traded CEO leading the show, but notwithstanding that we had the debut episode of season three of American Idol barbecue central show edition, which is what Jim in Florida is writing in about Greg why do you continue to torture your fans with this sham of a singing show? Stop it. It's like you guys think you are really good singers or something. Denial isn't just a river in France, Greg. Love the show. Regards, Jim. Hey, Jim, no kidding that denial isn't a river in France. That's because the Nile River is not... Andrew... You are not the fire. The Nile River is not in France, you dope. Good try. Poor execution right at the end. You had it all up there, all the way until the end. When you said denial isn't a river in France. No kidding. It's not a river in France. Nick in Texas. Greg, I know I'm not a judge on the American Idol Barbecue Central Show panel, but Doug from Texas is easily the worst singer I have ever heard. Like ever. Regards, Nick. Mike in Alabama. John Maris from Solo Stove, a great guest, and I enjoyed hearing about his background and the business stuff as well. That being said, I'm a bit concerned that many of these grill companies' values are tanking in the market. The products are great, but it appears no one is buying it when it comes to public investing. Keep landing the big CEOs in 2022. Very impressive. Regards, Mike. Mike, thank you for listening, of course. Malcolm Reed is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. Talk ribs. I, of course, will talk to you about the aforementioned Oklahoma Joe's since the company's humble beginnings in 1987, which we knew about. Oklahoma Joe's has helped those who appreciate the process of crafting and barbecuing. When... What began with Joe Davidson, a Barbecue Hall of Fame member and a dozen hand-built smokers at the Oklahoma State Fair over 30 years ago, has since forged an Oklahoma Joe's brands that build some of the most sought-after smokers in the market. Oklahoma Joe's has a proud history of creating uncompromising smokers and grills with a carefully crafted design, and the newest generation of the popular Rider Series pellet grills carries on this tradition. 
The new features in the Oklahoma Joe's Rider Deluxe Pellet Grills include a pit control 2.0 system that delivers the category's first dual sensor temperature control. Fire Focus Dual Sensor Feedback optimizes temperature control based on selected cooking styles, a.k.a. low and slow smoking or high heat grilling. They also have a power feed system that boasts a high torque auger motor that powers through all the pellets for incredible power and performance. The new Rider Deluxe series builds on several popular features, including smoke and sear modes, which feature an impressive temperature range that run from 200 degrees Fahrenheit to a searing hot 650 degrees Fahrenheit if you need it, and a 20-pound quick drawer hopper that allows unused pellets to be drained in seconds for simple storage, removal, and swapping of pellet, flavor, uh, pellet flavors. Do I have your attention? Of course I do. Hit the website, oklahomajoes.com. Spell it out, oklahomajoes.com, or go to the main website. Click on the Oklahoma Joes logo on the homepage, and we'll take you right there. You can see everything they got. Pushing the pellet grills this summer because, hey, they're pretty popular if you didn't notice. We are back with Malcolm Reed right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back to the Barbecue Central Show, brought to you by Rider Deluxe Pellet Grills from Oklahoma Joe's. And this portion brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic good temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them. 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continuing to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, it is the fourth... No, it is the first Tuesday of a brand new month and in the 14 past the hour segment that can only mean one thing a visit from the pitmaster of killer hogs competition team and co-founder of how to barbecue right malcolm reed hey Malcolm. what's happening greg can you believe it's may already man i would love to say i can believe it but five months have evaporated quicker than i can believe remember and this is coming from the guy that on the very first show of every year that turns new, I say that 2021 or 2022 rapidly coming to a close. And in the instant chat, people, oh, Rempy's being foolish. Well, guess what? We're now in the beginnings of May, so we only have seven months less. We're in the middle of quarter number two already, so a lot to get through here this evening. How's the first uh, five months going for How to Barbecue Ride? Uh, good, man. It's been fast. Uh you know, we always, Memphis and May is always on our radar. I know you mentioned that we're going to talk about that here in a second segment, but, you know, when it gets here faster and faster every year, it seems like. So it's it's flown by and grilling season's kicked off. You know, it, it, you know, for a lot of us, it never stops, but, you know, officially, I guess for everybody, you know, this is, we're in, the, we're in it. So 
I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And, you know, May's always a fun month. The last three months, Malcolm, we have been breaking down from start to finish pork butt, brisket, chicken. And tonight we are going to be covering ribs fairly in depth here. And that'll bring a close to the backyard edition of this. And then we'll talk about off air if we're going to do competition uh, back to backs on this or if we're just going to let it fish out from here and maybe revisit that down the line. However, in the open, I had made a statement that may or may not be controversial to some in the instant chat. Some people were agreeing me that I thought chicken leg quarters were the quintessential barbecue delight for me, but uh, ribs would probably be right up there too. Where do you fall on that question? Well, being from Memphis, you know, we're rib town. So it, when I think barbecue, I probably, you know, ribs first thing come to mind. But when you say barbecue chicken, it's that leg quarter plate, man. That's the one you got to have. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's seasoned up leg quarters, cooked low and slow, then glazed up at the end. Mm. And just like you yeah. mentioned, they get a little char on them sometimes. And that's what I, that's what I, when you say it's barbecue chicken plate, it's always got to be the leg quarter. Also, I think that can really delineate a true master of the flame. Anybody can make a average to below average chicken quarter. You can run it through the oven. You can cook it poorly on any type of open flame. And that's what it is. It's average to below average. But when you can deliver a top quality chicken quarter plate, to me, I at least have some confidence that anything else I'm also going to get there, either at a house or at a restaurant, is going to be better than average. You feel the same? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, that dark meat, man, it just stays juicier. You can push it a little higher and mm -hmm. you can cook that skin to where it does get bite through. And it's not just like chewing on a rubber band. I think that's why the – and the leg quarters are inexpensive. I mean, you know, they're a lot cheaper than, than breasts. So I think it just falls in place. And, I mean, you know, it takes some skill to cook it. It ain't just something you throw on the pit and forget. You right. got to know what you're doing and get the flavors right. But, uh, I mean, it's just a quintessential uh, barbecue when it comes to talking chicken. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. So now we're going to go ahead and get to talking about ribs all the way through. So as we've done with the other three, we'll start right in the prep phase. And even before that, we'll go shopping. So we're following you along whatever meat purveyor you're going to. What are you looking for in the store when it comes to ribs and uh, throughout the options, spares, baby backs, loinbacks, whatever you call them? What are you, what are you looking for in either of those? Typically, I, I mean, I buy them. They come individually cryovac or they come in three packs. If, if I'm at Sam's or Costco, I'm getting a three pack usually. But if I'm in Kroger, Walmart, wherever else, you, you know, your local grocery store, usually you can find them individually. I personally like them to individual because yeah. I can see both sides of that slab of ribs. I can tell if it's got a ton of fat on top of the meat side. I can tell if the bones are straight. That's what I'm looking for. I like, I mean, I, you know, you want your ribs to look good. So I'm looking for straight bones, some that don't have so much curve to them. I don't want to see super thick fat on top. I don't want to have to trim off too much. And, you know, we're left with a bunch of shiners on there from carving out fat pockets. I'm, I want a good balance. But I, but I like to see the marbling too. And I'm like you. I mean, if I'm eating ribs, I'm going spare rib all day long. Now, whether it's a whole rack of spares or if it's a cut down St. Louis rack, I don't care either way. Usually if I take the whole rack, I'm cutting it down myself anyway. I don't toss the rib tips. I cook those to the side, and they make. I mean, they're good eating them. But for you know, if you're serving somebody a rack of ribs, they're usually thinking they want that whole rack that's a St. Louis cut or, or even a slab of loinbacks. I've always found Being in that, Memphis we see a lot. I've always found in those three packs, it's that middle rack that seems to be. They've they've put all the crappy racks 
to the side, and as they make these three packs, they take one of those crappy racks and they stick them in between two decent ones because you know you're not going to be able to see it. That, that's like the uh, the magic Christmas gift. You either are, are gifted with three really great racks or two are going to be good and one's going to be really crap, and you've never had any choice of not picking it. I think it must be an old butcher's trick or something. They do the same thing with pork chops. You get that family pack of pork chops, you're going to have some of those ugly ones up underneath. They put the show pieces on top. So aside, but, you know, I like, I like the ones that come individually. I mean, look for those. That's you know, that's your best bet. You can get a feel of them and see what you're getting. And I've noticed a lot more availability of those here over the last handful of years. It used to be definitely the three packs I remember, and then it went down to two. I was pretty okay because at least I could see a top and a bottom side of each rack and make my choice from there. But more and more, I do see the individual racks, especially in the bigger box stores like BJ, Sam's Club, and so forth. So uh, straight bones, not a lot of fat, all that. Is there anything else on the packaging that you're looking for or, or trying to steer away from? I mean, I really like them to be fresh. You know, most of the times now stores are getting in fresh pork, but if it is, if it has been froze, you can see a lot of pooling in that package where it's thawed out some, you know, I stay away from those. I mean, I want, I want that bright red, pretty color. Um, I like to fill them to make sure the pack's good and tight. Like the seal hadn't been broke, hadn't let any air in. Sometimes you can pick up a pack and tell. But I mean, I look at the dates too. I want you know you want fresh as possible. So that's I've always had the best luck with uh, uh, a fresh product with the freshest date you can find on it. Do you have a favorite rib brand? Um, well, it depends on what I'm. If I'm cooking at home, I'm not super picky. I'm going with whatever the store has, whether it's Smithfield, Prairie Fresh, uh, IBP, Hormel. We see those. But if I'm cooking competitions, I mean, I've I've cooked some really good ones. The the Compart Durox, a fantastic product. Um, that that new Prairie Fresh Prime that you see a lot of people cooking. Those are they, those have been some really good ribs, um, you know. And even some of the Smithfields, they've got some they've got some good ones too. So I'm not super picky right now. I'm just looking for something that that's got decent weight to it. You know, I, I like to have a a pretty good size. Uh, two uh, when I'm when I'm cooking spare ribs, I like that two point seven five and up. So that two and three quarter pound and up rib. I want it to have some, you know, some weight to it, some meat on the bones, where I'm not just cooking a thin slab of ribs. And you want that thickness to be even across the rack, of course. That's right. You know, we look. You you hope it's in a set, in a set of spare ribs. You hope you get some evenness all the way. You're always going to have that thin end, but for it to carry that thickness all the way across, it's going to cook more even. You're going to get um, better quality out of that rack of ribs. If somebody wants to bone out a little bit extra money at home, I know you said you'd do the Duroc stuff for competition, but if they want to do it at home, what can they expect from a flavor profile difference off of whatever the commodity pork is? Well, it's just richer. I think, I think you get, I think what a lot of that, um, those breeds of hogs, you know, your heritage breeds of hogs have more fat, which leads to more muscling, uh, marbling in the meat. So they get a little more flavor, but they're also a little more forgiving when you cook them. So you can push those ribs up a little higher in internal temperature and still have a juicy, uh, you know, juicy, flavorful piece of meat. Where you take just commodity pork, the flavor's been bred out of it. It's 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 bred for speed and bred for leanness. A lot of times, they're breeding them for the loins on them, which is where they make their money. So they don't have as much fat. They don't have as much flavor. So. That's kind of what the trade-off is, and what that means is it'll dry out a little faster. So now we have the ribs back at home. We're going to take them out of the cryovac. What kind of a trimming process are you in for when you're doing them for the backyard? Um, I mean, I always pull the membranes. I don't like that membrane on my rib, so I'm going to take a you know 
the blunt edge of a, of a butter knife or a spoon or something like that, or a pair of catfish skinners, whatever you can grab, grab that membrane with and jank it off. I'm going to take the fat off the top side, the meat side, probably going to square that rack, uh, rack of ribs up. Uh, you know, a lot of times it, it'll tell down to a thin end like we talked about. Well, I, a lot of times I'll go ahead and knock that off just because it's going to it's gonna cook the pieces anyway, so it's not really good eats. And you could do something else with it if you wanted to cook some pieces or you were cooking uh, you know, some of the tips. You could throw those in there and get some use out of those for flavoring beans or something like that, make it a little rib tasso or something like that. But um, that's that's about all the trimming I'm going to do to them. I'm not getting real crazy. I mean, I square them up. Um, you know, competitions, we do a little bit more. We cut the racks down a little smaller because we're thinking of our box and our final product. But at home, it's just about, making it to where it'll cook even on the pit that's what you're looking for so just shape it up a little bit on the bone side uh, depending on the spares that you get you might have that flap of meat uh that's there are you a trimmer of that Uh, and if so i would assume you would hang on to that and cook it along with the rib tips i usually always take that it's kind of like the inside skirt part of that diaphragm muscle there so i'll take that off it's it's going to shrivel up and, and get rubbery on you by the time you get the ribs done. So there's really no point in, in leaving it on. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll throw it on there, season it up with the tips or, you know, include it in some, like, I like to make a little tasso ham for flavoring jambalaya and gumbo and stuff like that. So it works good for that. In regards to taking the membrane off, Malcolm, have you seen a trend afoot here recently where folks are voluntarily leaving the membrane on and saying, eh, you know, in the end, maybe it's not that big of a deal to take it off. I, th- I mean, I had another, I don't know if I'd call it a trend. I think some people are lazy or they just don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not complicated. I mean, I've seen some guys where they'll score it with the knife too, so it breaks, but mm-hmm. I don't see the advantage in it. Um, you know, it, it's basically a barrier on the backside, so you're not getting any seasoning on the meat. If you season that and you go to chewing on it, it's, I mean, it's tough to chew up, so it's, it's not like it just dissolves in your mouth, so. I've always taken it off. Have you ever injected ribs? Um, I've played around with it. I think I think you're better off brining ribs mm. than injecting because in, in just a couple hours you can throw the uh, ribs in a solution and they they soak it up pretty well because they're thin. It's not like you've got a whole shoulder, a whole big butt in there, and, and you know trying to get deep in the meat because we're only talking you know an inch or so of meat. So you can really penetrate that flavor with the brine. And get get it everywhere instead of creating these injection marks or trying to pull it when you're shooting it into them with the with the syringe. When it comes to rubbing ribs, Malcolm, how far in advance are you doing that? I'm maybe two hours. I mean, I like it to sit on them a little bit, but what I've seen, like if you if you, I mean, most barbecue rubs, you know, we've got salt, we got sugars in them. That's a, it's usually the first ingredients in some barbecue rubs. <laughs> So what that does, it acts as a, a curing agent on it. I mean, it works great for dry brining, but if you leave it on there too long, it's going to change the texture of your meat. So you'll start getting that hamminess to it if you put those rubs on too early. So, you know, two hours is okay. I mean, you can put that on there, let them sit a little while, let them sweat, get your pit fired up, and then go to the pit. But I don't like to do it, you know, overnight and then put them on the next morning. Um, you can. But your rib's going to have a different texture to it. It's going to change it. Now, it's going to have a super deep smoke ring. Sometimes it'll go all the way across, depending on how much salt and how much sugar you have on it. But it will change the texture of the meat the longer you leave those on the, on the, uh, on the rib. 
I would assume the barbecue rub might be a favorite of Malcolm Reed when he's rubbing his ribs, but are there any other brands out there that you like specifically? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of good ones. I mean, uh, you know, my buddy Heath Riles has got some really good flavorful ones that I like. Um, uh, Big Papa Smoker's first ones come to mind. Uh, Cosmos. I mean, all, all these guys are my buddies, so I kind of, you know, kind of hype theirs a little bit. But um, I like a mixture of it all. I mean, I love using my stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think it puts some of the best color on any rub out there on them. But I'll play with combinations too. I mean that that sweet money rub from Big Papa's. Uh, that's won a lot of money out there, not just from me, but a bunch of people. So I know it's a good one. Use any kind of binder for putting on the rub. Most of the time, if I'm cooking at home, I'm not. Now the contest, we will put a little light coat of mustard just to help that initial um, salt, pepper, garlic layer stick and help it start bringing out some moisture on it. Um, it also, having that on there in a competition, helps you see the application of your colored rubs when you're putting them on to make sure you're getting them even. You're not leaving a, uh, any bit of that meat uncovered. If you could see mustard, it knows, you, know, you know you're not getting it in the right spots. So I use it for that. But if I'm cooking it at home, man, I'm usually just running and gunning and doing something simple. I'm not getting crazy with it. I'm making eating ribs when I'm cooking them in the backyard. And it's really my favorite way to do it. I mean, just throw a rub on there put some smoke on it, forget about it, and then when they're done, they're done. Anything else as far as rib prep is concerned or rubbing or anything prior to going on the cooker that we haven't covered yet? Just that short rest before, man. I think that's that's critical in starting that cooking process because it starts loosening up the meat, gets it ready to accept some smoke, let some of that moisture start coming to the surface and pull some of those flavors down in it. That's, you know, once you start that process, um, you're going to end up with some good ribs if you just give it some time. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show, talking all about ribs. You can, of course, find him over on YouTube, How to Barbecue Right, or the website, howtobbqright.com. All right, so we've got everything prepped up, ready to hit the smoke, and now we're going to cook them. What do you run the cooker at to cook ribs, temperature-wise? Now, that's... A toss up. There's a, <laughs> there's all kinds of different temperatures you can cook ribs. The old three two one that everybody talks about cooking ribs. Um, that's that's you know I don't know many many people that do it, but that's a two twenty five temp. If I was going to do that, that's how low I would cook it. Um, you know I've always been depending on my cooker around two fifty for ribs. That's kind of been my the, my little golden temperature there. But I've since started cooking them on a stick burner or a drum. And that those pits just want to run at 275. So you cook a little faster rib at those higher temps. Um, that's the one thing you kind of need to know about. You're going to get a little – at higher temps, you're going to get a, that color faster. So your ribs are going to get darker. So you're not going to leave them on there two hours unwrapped. Mm. Um, I, I'm a big – I wrap ribs unless I'm just cooking, you know, some dry ribs, Memphis style to eat at home. Usually I'm always wrapping with aluminum foil or butcher paper. I like the foil because it lets me add some additional flavor and get some liquid in there to kind of help them break down and get super tender, but the bark's not as good. So if I want a real barky rib, it's a lot like brisket. I'll wrap in butcher paper to preserve that seasoning and that, you know, that the texture we've got on the outside. It helps still get the moisture off of the paper and protects it from getting too dark, but it makes a, you know, a nice, you still get all that flavor from your rub. Hmm. So, um, Let's just shoot for 250, Greg. Let's say that. Let's stick with 250 today, and I'm going about two hours. Then I'm going to wrap them. I know that's a lot to throw in there and a lot of stuff to talk about. It probably doesn't clear a bunch up, but I could talk about it at all different temperatures. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the 
the one follow-up question that you just answered right along was, does a preferred temperature change depending on cookers? And the one thing that you had mentioned that I talk about uh, beginners with all the time is knowing your cooker. And, uh, you know, that, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, once you get it seasoned and kind of dialed in, you're going to find out that once you have that thing dialed in, it might not be that 225 that everybody talks about. It might want to live at 235 or 250 or 275, like you were talking about on the offset smoker. And then you as the cook have to make the adjustments on how to, to let that stay in the smoke uncovered uh, when you want to stick it in the foil. So uh, depending on what cooker you have, obviously different temperatures are going to be where you want to shoot for, but we're going to stick with this golden 250 um, for conversation here this evening. From a wood smoke perspective, what do you like on ribs? I like a little bit of pecan. I like a little bit of cherry. I like the color the cherry gives. It gives a nice little sweetness to it, but I like the mildness of the pecan wood too. Now, in Memphis, we burn a little hickory sometimes too, so if you catch me in a contest, I'm going to have all three of those. But if I'm cooking at home, I'm probably just going to burn a little, little pecan and cherry. Is it regional where people would say hickory and pork, uh, whether it be butts or pork ribs, is the quintessential smoke pairing, or is that widely regarded across the states as being the wood that most people would go with? I think most woods, uh, most woods regional, depending on where you're at. Um, it, it depends on, you know, what, what kind of trees are growing close to you. Some places might not have good hickory, but they've got, you know, oak or something like that. You know, out in Texas, they burn a lot of post oak and pecan. Georgia, they burn a lot of peach. Um, Illinois, they've got a lot of apple. So it just depends on where you're at. But, you know, for us in the Memphis area, hickory's probably king. That's the, that's what we see the most. Prior to going into the foil, are you a spritzer or a mopper? Uh, well, it depends. I kind of do, depending on my cooker and how that slab of ribs is cooking, I may not do, do anything to it. If the color is coming along, I'm cooking the color first, and that's what that first part of that cook is. It's about getting those rubs to kind of adhere, to, come, to become one with that slab of ribs, to make that texture on top of it. Uh, a lot of times, if you keep them too moist, you're going to wash some of that off. And I don't want to have to apply any more seasoning during that first part of that cook. So a lot of times, I don't do anything to it. But if but if my cooker's running a little hotter, or if it's you know they're getting darker faster, I might spritz them with a little water. Um, of course, I've used mops or different things before, but I think just a little spritz bottle with water is your friend. I have noticed that as I have learned more and more on ribs, uh, and I used to be a big uh, apple juice spritzer. I was wondering why my ribs were coming out darker than I was anticipating. And then I was finally able to put two and two together and said, well, you know, that apple juice has sugar in it and it's just starting to caramelize over the many hours of cooking here. As soon as I got rid of it, started using water or a little bit of apple cider vinegar and water instead, and then it cleared right up and the color was uh, right on point. So just a little tip for those beginners out there that might be wondering why their ribs are darker if you're spritzing with apple juice, because that is a, a common tip for a lot of folks to keep the ribs moist during the cook. As far as wrapping, uh, we've talked about the butcher paper and foil. What are you putting in for liquid? Are you using parquet or real butter, or you know what's what's going in that wrap for you? Well, if I'm cooking them at home, man, I'm just going to give them a little bit of vinegar sauce. Nothing that's super sweet. That's gonna. I, I want some. I want some moisture in there. 
I want the acidity from the vinegar. I want some flavor in there, but I don't really need like the extra richness of the butter and all that. A lot of that's just for comps. Um, you know, in competitions, we've since we've we've moved on from the parquet that everybody knows the you know the blue magic blue bottle. We've went to you know using stick butter real cold because I think it holds up better and it kind of slows that rib down a little bit mm-hmm. and it protects yeah. it from busting the bones as bad. Um, but you know sometimes I mean if, if I was wanting to really cook a competition style rib at home, I might use some butter. But most of the time, keeping it simple is the way to go, and they still turn out really good. Just with a little vinegar sauce. You a internal temp checker for ribs to see doneness? I used to not be, but I'm, now I'm a firm believer in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're running ribs up, depending on the brand of rib, up higher than you would think. Um, at, you know, a, a, a set of commodity ribs from the grocery store is probably going to be done somewhere around 204 to 208 degrees. But some of these heritage breeds can go up. I've seen them as high as 216. So it just depends on how your cook's going and needing to watch it. Um, there's with the butter that we've been using, you can tell it kind of gets to a point to where it has a smell to it. Mm. It almost start has it starts browning, and usually when we can tell that butter's browning in the foil, those ribs are about where we want them. And usually it's around that two twelve to two you know two fourteen something like that, just depending on the rack. But at home, um, you know, it's all by feel a lot of it, but. That thermopin, man, it, it it doesn't lie to you. When you're when you learn to cook with a thermopin, it does not lie to you. I don't think it makes you less of a cook or anything if you're using temperature devices. I use them all the time. Yeah. I use aluminum foil all the time. I don't think it says I can't cook. I just think it means I'm using every tool I got to my advantage to cook the best piece of barbecue I can. I think the thing that turned my ribs into the term consistency was when I got over myself and started temping the ribs. And as you said, the thermometer isn't lying. When you take it off at 204 or 206 or whatever that magic number is, and you go back and do that again the following week or the following day or five days in a row, and you're taking them off at that temperature, like you know what you're going to be getting. That's why you can produce consistent results. That's what all the backyard folks want consistent results each and every time that's what the competition folks want and what better way to do that than by knowing exactly what temperature you're getting that result at so uh, i'm with you it doesn't make you less of a cook it actually makes you uh, a better cook in many different ways so uh, go ahead and start temping your ribs if you're not doing that right now anything else in the cooking process malcolm that we haven't covered yet um no i mean that's that's pretty much it on ribs as far as the cook goes i mean you're cooking the color first you're going to get them wrapped up, protect them, add some kind of liquid to them. I like to use a vinegar sauce if I'm just eating at home, but if you want to add juice, you want to add butter, you want to add honey, you want to add barbecue sauce, you can do all that to the wrap. But cook them until they're done, and you only do that. You only know that by opening the foil up, verifying it with a thermometer, but you can look at them. There's telltale signs, too. When you see the pullback, when you see the bones start to bust through, if you lift them up, they're they're pliable. They're fixing a break in places. That's how you know they're done. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing I could tell you there is let that foil, or if you've got them wrapped up, like mm-hmm. we like to, like I like to do, we let them sit there on the table and rest about five, seven minutes. Let that foil vent. And then we like to hold the ribs a little bit. Uh, it might be 30 minutes. It might be an hour. Usually ribs don't have a long hold power like, like say, a butt or a brisket or something does. But you can get 30 minutes out of them easier. And what that does, after you've let the heat off of them, 
and you cover them back up and set them in a dry cooler or a camera or whatever you have, it lets them just kind of calm down. It's going to make cutting them easier. It's going to make them juicier when you go to take them out of that liquid and cut them on the cutting board. And I think it just, you know, it lets everything come back together. Now, we still put them back on and, and either finish them with a little dry rub for a dry style rib or hit them with a little sauce to glaze them up for more of a comp style wet rib. But they always get somewhat of a rest. At home, Malcolm, sauce on side or sauce on the ribs? If I'm eating them, I'm going to have it on the side and I'm going to have them dry. Mm-hmm. little spicy rub to finish them with, too. I, I like a little bit of heat on the rib and I like... I like that sauce uh, to where I can dip it if I want it, but I don't have it smothered in it. Anything else from a serving standpoint or anything we might have missed from start to finish here on the ribs before we transition over into Memphis and May? Man, I don't think so. You know, ribs aren't difficult. I think it's more of a process that you got to get down. And you hit it when you said learn that pit, depending on whatever temperature you want to cook at. Learn your pit, how to hold it there, and what those ribs look like at those different times. That's how you're going to get to be a better rib cook. Um, It never hurts to have that thermometer handy at the end to get used to it, but it's a lot of feel, too. You're you're cooking to color, you're cooking to tenderness, and then you're holding them a little bit. It's that easy. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show, the pit master of Killer Hogs competition team, and, of course, co-founder of How to Barbecue Right. HowToBBQRight.com is the website. Malcolm, can I... Hold you over for one second, and we'll uh, talk about Memphis May here on the backside. Oh, yeah, especially if I get some luck from it. Oh, yeah, no doubt about (laughs) it. Malcolm Reed joining us here on the show. Stand by, and we'll be back with him here in just one second. I will talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers designing and building all of their products right here in the States and building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. It's the backbone of how we've built the company, this approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet cookers to wood-fired offset pits and charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor has been synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit. And the team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values, American-made quality, and endless flavor. The benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. You can visit them at yodersmokers.com and ask questions there as well. Once again, the website, yodersmokers.com. And we'll be back with more Malcolm Reed joining us on the Oklahoma Joe's Hotline. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we are back on the Barbecue Central Show, brought to you by the Oklahoma Joe's Rider Deluxe Pellet Grills. And this portion brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all your pellet-driven cookers, visit cookingpellets.com for more information or to purchase or see what other products they have. Make your food smoky and delicious. That's cookingpellets.com. And we are joined by Malcolm Reed once again. So we've done all the four barbecue meats. That's great, but it is May, and May for guys like you and a bunch of other 
uh, men and women in the competition scene really look forward to May for a number of different reasons. Uh, a lot of people think that this is the beginning of a barbecue and grilling season, but more importantly than that, especially if you're competitors, this is the one that really kicks off the competition season. There's been a number of barbecue events already here in the first uh, four plus months, but Memphis in May is one of those majors. So as you recollect back on your time at coming to all these Memphis and Mays in years past, Malcolm, what makes the event so special to you and why do you think that it holds such a cachet with a bunch of the other competitors out there, regardless of sanctioning body? I mean, I, I don't, I think it's just, I mean, it's the Super Bowl of port. So it's ever since I've gotten into barbecue, uh, Memphis and May has kind of been the one that, that stood out above all, um, you know, we didn't Kansas city style or KCBS wasn't really big in our area back when I started or, you know, when Memphis and May was coming up. So that's all we knew. We knew it was a big celebration that, that, um, people went downtown on the banks of the river. Uh, there's, there's nothing like being in Memphis when you've got 300 teams down there and you can smell that smoke going up and down the river and knowing that there's some good barbecue and a good time to be had by all that's, that's what it's all about. What's the best finish you've had at a Memphis and May? Um, man, we have finished everywhere in the top 10 except one, two, or three. That's uh, the best. I guess the best I ever had was in 06, our very first year. We cooked in the patio porker division, and that's when we won the grand champion there and had to turn pro. Mm-hmm. So that one will be one that's always special because none of this would have happened if I hadn't cooked Memphis and May that year. And, you know, had a good finish. Who knows? You know, if we'd come in dead last, I may have not, never <laughs> kept up barbecuing. But uh, we've, we've been chasing Memphis and May for years, ever since that, you know, that 06 year. And it's just something that me and Waylon said, we, you know, we're going to keep doing until we can't do it anymore. So we, we love it. What's it look like for a ramp up for this event? Because if folks have been around KCBS contests, and look, I mean, that's a an, an FBA contest similar to, to KCBS, uh, maybe St. Louis as well. You go to these events, and 10, 15 years ago, there was a lot of pop-up tents. Uh, there were some barbecue trailers that were also being pulled along. But, you know, they were seemed to be a little bit more mobile get-ups than they are nowadays where you have motorhomes. Uh, there's not a lot of people congregating out there. Uh, mostly people have pull behind trailers, jambos, and assorted other big named and big dollar pits. What does it look like from a Memphis and May standpoint for the folks that have never been there? What's a build look like for you guys? It's, you know, so it's, it's more of structure. I mean, of course you've got big tents, but if you think about Memphis and May, it's a lot like the Houston livestock radio where they use it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it for entertaining. So you've got this you got this whole aspect of it of where companies come in and they sponsor teams and they have these big uh, uh, parties or they feed and entertain people. And so you've get you got that element of it in Memphis and May, but it's more of a festival too because it's for the crowd. There's a lot of stuff going on that's for spectators to come and see. So you've got, you know, private parties, but you've got public people walking through constantly and then you've got the contest side of it and what makes it really unique is that it goes on for the better part of a week i mean it's you know we start loading in and, and setting up our booths at Memphis and may this coming saturday and the contest isn't until the following saturday wow. um we'll actually you know wednesday is kind of the first kickoff day i mean you've got monday and tuesday for setting up 
But we'll start doing stuff on Wednesday, and then contests start. There's Thursday. There's wings and sauces and turkey. And Friday has all your ancillaries, and then the main pork categories are Saturday. So it's a, you know, it's a week long deal to uh, build up to it. How much practicing goes into a, a season, or or a, not a season, but a Memphis MA contest, or does that happen to vary by year depending on how busy you are doing other stuff? Um, it it depends. I mean, I've got. You know, Memphis and May is one of those ones where we bring it. It's a it's a team effort. It's not just me and Waylon out there. You know, me, Waylon, and Shell out there cooking. We bring in um, all you know the buddies that want to be a part of the team, guys that cook with us over the years. Um, you know, some people that work with me here at the shop, and it's kind of a team effort. I mean, we you know we'll bring three or four pits, and we let other people cook different categories. And then when it comes down to cooking the ribs, we've worked on that recipe uh, for you know every, all spring. Um, I don't know how many slabs of ribs we've cooked already, but it's been a lot. And we're, I mean, we're running, you know, we've cooked a couple contests, just tuning up, seeing how the recipe would do. And then we've done practices here and we're always tweaking a little bit. Now we've come down to where we're going to do one more practice Thursday and that's going to be it. You know, it's that's what we're running. So you're just fine tuning. Uh, I know we have a good rib because we finished so well last year with it. And we've, you know, won contests with it over the this past year too. So the recipe is good. It's just executing there and seeing how it goes. I mean, there's a lot of luck in it too. You know how you know how barbecue goes. How many rib entrants are there compared? I mean, typically it's whole hog is way less uh, than any of the other ones. You know, it's ribs and then it's pork shoulder. Otherwise, so do you know how many other ribbers you're going to be going against? Yeah, I mean, typically it's skewed. There's 130 rib teams. Usually, you know. 40, 50 hog teams, and the rest are shoulder teams, which is usually about 60, 70, something like that. So it just depends year to year. Um, they've been downsizing, and it's it's going to be a little different this year. I don't know if you know, but they're doing construction on Tomley Park, so they moved us. The, they've moved the barbecue festival, the Bill Street Music Festival, everything to, to the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium area. They call it Tiger Lane, which is the old fairgrounds in Memphis. Um, it's a great location. Uh, they have plenty of room there, so it ought to be pretty exciting. How much of a, I mean, winning Memphis of May, of course, would be spectacular. But outside of that, how much of a benefit would that be to the business and the store and uh, Malcolm's brand to say that you were a Memphis of May world champ? Or would it not make that big of a difference? I don't, I don't think it would make that big a difference as far as winning goes. Um, as a personal accolade, I guess, it's something you know, you'd like to have. Um, I'm sure there's been p- businesses built on it before, but um, I mean, it's one of those things. We've done it so long. I mean, we've kind of already got a name recognized in the world of barbecue. I mean, it's been something nice to have, but I don't think. I mean, I don't think it would benefit me a whole lot. Other than I'd probably win about twenty six grand, and that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, money's always pretty good. Yeah, like what's the what's the layout of expense for a, an event like that? Because that's not a normal contest either. Yeah, no, it's pretty expensive. I mean, it, you know, it can get as elaborate as you want it to. <laughs> Ours, we, we're we not doing any catering or any kind of big party planning or anything like that. So we don't, I mean, basically we've got our expense to get in, which is probably, you know, a couple thousand bucks to, to get the spot and get the rentals and all that. But um, everything else, we just got to, you know, we'll buy our meat and cook some stuff for us while we're hanging out. So, I mean, you could you could probably do it for, you know, between five and seven grand on, on our scale. 
That's I mean, which is still yeah. that's a pretty good chunk of change no, for a contest. That's, that's, that's a twenty. Uh, that's a twenty grand clear after all expenses paid. That's not too bad. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you win it all. If you don't, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, then that's a six or seven grand expense. You know what are you going to do? You, you write that off on the taxes. You know, people just write that's it right. off. You know, whatever that means, you just write, write it off. All right, here we go. Most important question of the evening. Percent chance that Killer Hogs comes away with the 2022 World Championship at Memphis in May? I'm going to say 99.9. I'm going to go ahead and leave a tenth out there for somebody. Man, oh, man. I love it. I'm a winner going in. Now, I don't know what it's going to be like the next Saturday, but I'm a winner going in. No doubt. Love the confidence. Love the confidence. That's Malcolm Reed, How to Barbecue Right, and Pitmaster of Killer Hogs. Looking to take it all uh, in a week from this coming weekend. Uh, so that would be like the 14th, 15th. So check Malcolm out on social media, and you'll follow along with all the results as they're happening as well. Malcolm, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing the barbecue roundtables, and we'll follow your potential which we know will be success at the Memphis of May as well. And we'll talk about it in July or June. June. We'll, we'll talk about it in June. We'll do the halfway mark, Greg. We'll no be doubt. halfway there. So. All right. We'll see you then. Have a good one, man. There he is, Malcolm Reed right there from How to Barbecue Right and the pitmaster of Killer Hogs talking about his chances at Memphis in May. And if it's one thing I like, somebody that's going to come on the show, they're not messing around at all. You know, I ask that people a lot. What do you think the chances are winning? Eh, There's going to be a lot of good teams. 99.9% Malcolm Reed. I like it. Give me some of that. Malcolm, of course, appearing via the Oklahoma Joe's hotline. Brought to you by the Oklahoma Joe's Rider Deluxe Pellet Grill. I have a sounder for that that the really big voice guy just sent me in show. But I have to use my voice. Uh, Before we wrap up this first hour, though, I'll talk to you quickly about another great pellet cooker, Green Mountain Grills. As Smokin' Joe's Barbecue Pit said, the show is a pellet pimp, no doubt. We We love the pellet cookers here on the show. Green Mountain Grills making some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market right now. If you want to save some money and you want a great cooker, why not take a look at that Davy Crockett? There is no Wi-Fi. There is no app ability. However, you'll save some cash. You'll get a great cooker. be able to produce some great food. You'll have a lot of versatility with that unit. Now, if you want all that other stuff, you want the features or the added bling, if you will, internal meat probes, look into windows, Wi-Fi, app connectivity, all that stuff. Prime line, you want to look at a peak and ledge are in that prime line. It's all uh, 12-volt technology, of course, power-wise. And the Ledge and Peak and the Davy Crockett, I'm sorry, the uh, Daniel Boone, are fitting the pizza oven insert, which you need to get. Only sold through dealers, so find a dealer near you soon. GreenMountainGrill.com. Find the dealer, visit the dealer, get educated, pick the size that's best for you. Get the pizza oven insert because they probably have it at the dealer. And you will be successful right out of the box. Take it from me. Having the education piece first is almost a guarantee of success. It's great. Now, you can visit GreenMountainGrill.com to get other stuff like rubs and other accessories to complete the Green Mountain Grill cooking experience if they don't have them at the dealer. But dealer first, GreenMountainGrill.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back to the Barbecue Central Show, being brought to you by the Rider Deluxe Pellet Grills from Oklahoma Joe's. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures on your Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Pro, or Fireboard 2 Drive. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooths. If you have Alexa or Google Assistant, you're in home uh, at your home. You're in luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And I just talked to Ted Conrad the other day, and we are setting up when we will have the Spark giveaway, which is the single-channel Fireboard, but also a instant read meat thermometer as well for like 149 or 150 bucks or whatever it is. So stay tuned for that. We'll be doing that uh, maybe next week or the week after that. Somebody very familiar with Memphis in May, Michael Quisenberry. His dad was the king back in the day. Uh, as talking about how the original location has moved to Tiger Lane, I think Malcolm said. The drawback being that it is further away from downtown for those who want to go to Beale Street. Take an Uber. Sometimes you have to move location. Now, let's not get all American Royal with it and start moving locations every year and changing dates and all that stuff. They finally got that dialed in, but that was becoming a sense of angst through many barbecue competitors on the American Royal side when they moved it out of the stockyards, I think it was. All right, well, we thank Malcolm Reed for joining us for the last two segments. If you missed it, if you're just tuning in now, we covered ribs from start to finish. So if you're looking to ascertain a new rib recipe, you're in luck because Malcolm laid it all out, mostly backyard stuff. He did reference a few competition items, but if you're not a competitor, you don't really need to worry about that at all. So go back and get that podcast. It'll be up at some point tomorrow morning. And we are headed to the second hour, if you can believe it or not. We're going to have a great conversation with longest-running embedded correspondent from Texas, Doug Scheiding. He has slowly and surely and, of course, taking years to become an overnight success on Instagram, has now accumulated 20,000-plus followers. And we'll talk to him about how he did that, the process, and if there are any seedy underbelly tactics that he has either done and tried and said, that didn't work, or was tempted and never did. Very tempting to grow your social media following by any means necessary, but who does it and who doesn't? We will ask Doug all about that at 14 past the second hour. I'm going to go refresh my libations. You do the same. As you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show, brought to you by the Rider Deluxe Pellet Grills from Oklahoma Joe's. Stick around. We'll be right back.